0: your appreciation as well. So, if you have a Bible, open it to Galatians chapter 5. It's a little bit different, me preaching through this, because it's a shorter section. As you know, we like to go chapter and verse, but we're going to slow down a little bit and uh, dig deep into these uh, couple verses. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the, uh, maybe in the row in front of you. You can grab one of those from the bottom of the chairs there and follow along. And uh, we're in our second sermon series in this walking in the Spirit. Our overall commitment for this series or goal is that we are to walk or operate in the power of the Holy Spirit and allow Him to yield the fruit of the Spirit in our everyday lives. To walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and allow Him to yield the fruit of the Spirit In our everyday lives. Take a look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. This is what we began with last week. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. We began last week talking about this. This victorious walk in Christ, this walking in the Spirit does not just happen. This is not automatic. Literally, the Bible describes it as a war. It's a battle. It is a battle in our hearts between two things the flesh and the Spirit. Last week we talked. If you want to live victorious in this, you have to walk in the Spirit. And the first part of this series, we're going to talk about that. Today will be our last sermon about operating in the Spirit. And then next week, we're going to start with the fruit of the Spirit, beginning with love. And then we're going to take them one by one, all the way through the nine fruit. And when you get to the end of those nine fruit, you realize that those are the character of Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He takes us and makes us like Christ as we yield to the power of the Holy Spirit. At first, I want to drill down to what it means to walk in the Spirit. I like to put it this way. We must examine the root before you will see the fruit, right? The fruit is important, but the root is ultimately what causes the fruit. So the root, when the root is right, the fruit will be right. In our lives, if we have withered fruit, if there is missing fruit, you know there is something wrong in the root, and we've established that what's wrong with the root many times is the flesh. That we as Christians are not operating in the power of the Spirit. And when we do that, it affects the fruit. Instead of love, we get hate. Instead of peace, we have chaos. Instead of you know, self-control, we have, we're out of control. And it it, it is stemmed from the root. And so Galatians 5.19 gives us a great list of this in verse, verses through 21. These are all evident works of the flesh. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and of the like. Of which I told you beforehand that if I told you in time past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Last week I had someone ask me about that phrase. What does that mean when he says those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God? If you address that first and looking at that, we realize that what this is teaching is that in somebody who operates in the flesh only will not have the kingdom of God in their life. They won't have that hope of heaven in them and they won't have that future hope of heaven in them because they live for only the earth, only of the flesh. Someone who is living currently and consistently and permanently in a life that's marked only by the flesh shows there's a fatal flaw in the root. That's what he's trying to say here. This person may be under the assumption that they had the Holy Spirit in them, but they might believe it that they are a good person or they're pleasing to God, or maybe they joined a church and now they have religion, or maybe they were born to be a Christian, yet this verse would cause us to stop and examine the root. Examine your faith in Christ, because if your life is currently, consistently, and permanently marked by only works of the flesh, Paul says you must examine the root because that's not the root that causes those things. The flesh causes those things, but the work of the Spirit is something different. Some people say, well, I'm a good person. Well, good people go to heaven. No, good people don't go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven, right? You might say, well, I'm a good person. I'm a church member. I, I joined your church or I walked an aisle. Maybe you're thinking, I was born a Christian. My parents are Christian. My grandparents are Christian. So I'm a Christian. And, and what happens is when you believe these things that leaves you in the power of the flesh, there's nothing that can help you in the power of the flesh other than The Spirit. And you ask yourself, how does the spirit happen or when does that happen? It happens by a conversion. It happens by regeneration. And and sometimes I think I must caution us, especially as Baptists, because there's there's a doctrine that's been pushed to an extreme called once saved, always saved. I'm sure you've heard of this. And what it says is if you are consistently currently in sin, but at some point in your life when you were little or small or young, you had come to Christ or maybe you had walked in aisle, maybe you made a decision, then you must be a Christian. End of story. doesn't matter if 30, 40 years of your life has marked otherwise, as long as you have that one thing. Well, I'm certainly not pushing against eternal security. I just like to say it another way. I usually say truly saved, always saved. Because once the root is there, it never leaves. But you got to make sure the root is there. And what makes us sure the root is there is the fruit. Now, in your own heart, you have the Holy Spirit bears witness with God. And, of course, God knows everybody's heart. But from the outside, many times people will tell me as I share Christ with them, they say, of course I'm a Christian. I checked a card or walked an aisle when I was a kid or got baptized, and my life shows no markings of Christ, but beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know I'm going to heaven when I die. But, but what Paul would say here and what Galatians is saying here, through and throughout the Bible, it teaches that there are false confessions. Jesus himself said, in that day, some will come to me and say, have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done works in your name? So he'll say, depart from me, for I never knew you. So the the, the question for you and for me is, if our life is currently, consistently, and has permanently been marked by operating only in the flesh, that should be a red flag for you and me. That should be a root issue. You say, well, pastor, that leaves us in a desperate situation. It's true. That's what makes the gospel so glorious, right? That's what makes the message of the good news so wonderful. This Bible describes this new birth. You're born from the Spirit of God. God does something in you that you could not do in the flesh. You were born from above. Uh, a question for you, how much did you have to do with your first birth, your physical birth? Many of us did not make that happen, obviously, right? We did not cause that to happen. We, were not, we, we could not make that happen if we wanted to. There's no ability that we had or no merit we had to allow us or to make us born the first time physically, so, Jesus used that same example to describe the spiritual birth. He said, just as you were born physically, you must be born spiritually. So, if you have had nothing to do with your physical birth, you have nothing to do with your spiritual birth. It is a recognition you are lost and you are in your sin, and the Spirit of God must regenerate your heart. And when He regenerates your heart, He puts you on a process of sanctification, I've, you've been around here any time. You've heard me say this before. You have been saved. You are being saved and you're going to be saved. To put it in theological terms, you, are, you, have, you have justification, you have sanctification and you have glorification. All three of those are a part of your salvation justified just as you had never sinned. When you confess Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you believe on His name. You are made right before God. You are immediately in the judgment of God is off your life. It has been put on the cross of Jesus Christ, and you are made in a right standing with God. Then He begins a process of sanctification in your life. He begins to take you in your flesh and turn you into you and the power of the Holy Spirit to make you like Christ. That's called sanctification. This is a process that you will do the rest of your life. I usually like to say when you get saved, you should get a God at work sign you can hang around your neck because he goes to work in your life and what's on the inside changes the outside. Religion says change the outside and you'll change the inside. But we know rebellions in the heart that never last. Kind of like the little boy that was in school. And uh, the teacher told him, he said, you better sit down. He said, I'm not going to sit down. So she walked over to him and said, you sit down. I'm going to tell your parents. She said, no, I'm not going to. He said, I'm not going to sit down. He said, you're going to sit down. So she took out her paddle. This is back in the good old days, all right? She took out her paddle and she whacked him. And when she whacked him, he fell right down to his seat. And she went back up to the front. She says, now you're sitting down. He said, but I'm standing up on the inside. All right. Listen, that's the way we are in our hearts. We know that's where rebellion is. And the heart has to change. And there's only one way it truly changes to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit begins to live out what he has done in our heart and our life. And the Bible teaches that that is the battle that we enter into. The flesh and the spirit. And the Spirit begins to work in our life, and we experience victory over the flesh. But the Bible teaches that we must walk in that. We must operate in that in our everyday life. we got to allow the Holy Spirit to have control of us. I said this earlier in the, in the first message. We get all of the Holy Spirit when we get saved, but He doesn't get all of us. It is a battle to surrender the parts in our life and we surrender our works to the flesh and He replaces them with the fruit of the Spirit. Now, what happens? How does that, how does that shrink away? Why, do, why, 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 why does not all Christians live in victorious lives? Well, there's two things we can do to the Holy Spirit. I want to give them to you, two negative things. And this morning I want to drill down on these two things. One, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. And two, you can quench the Holy Spirit. You can grieve the Holy Spirit, and you can quench the Holy Spirit. First, let's begin with you can grieve the Holy Spirit. If you got a pen or a pencil or a mascara stick, you can write this down. Ephesians 4, verse 30 through 31. When we grieve the Holy Spirit, listen to these verses. It says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. The word grieve here means to make sorrowful, to let down. Literally, someone is wanting to do something positive, but you push them away. You you do something uh, the opposite of them that causes them to grieve or to sorrow. And what he's saying here is when we obey the works of the flesh, we make the Holy Spirit grieve when we do what we're not supposed to do we we grieve the Holy Spirit specifically in this context he gives us a few things he says let all bitterness wrath anger clamor evil speaking we can add other sins to that that's just a that's just a immediate context but we can add other sins to that as well and as we add those other sins to that those are the things that keep the Holy Spirit from working in our life A lot of times when we think about sin in our life, we we get used to sin or we get we allow sin in our life. But what he's saying here is when you're when you're growing like when you are in the walking in the flesh, you are grieving the Holy Spirit, kind of like when you were growing up. Did you ever fear to disappoint your parents? I did. Especially my mom, because she always used that one phrase that trumped everything, right? You just wait till your dad gets home. Oh boy, that was a tough one. But you you fear disappointing your parents. And certain things you did, you knew when you disappointed your parents, you wasn't going to get the benefit of what they do for you, right? And when you let them down, they're not going to give you the privileges that you have earned or the privileges that you think that they would give for you. I know for my kids, they know this. When they let me down, they all agree, uh, whether it's watching them in sports or something they do in life, I have that look that I give them that they know I'm disappointed. Many times I take off my hat and I rub my face like this, you know, that's what I do. I don't look at me like you're the perfect parent. I know you do some disappointing looks as well, right? But listen, when we obey the flesh, we let the Holy Spirit down. He is not going to operate in our life the way he will because he has been grieved. And listen, this is going to happen in our life. We're gonna, not going to be perfect. It's going to happen. You're not going to get it right all the times. But the key is, the key is that you don't let it be a pattern in your life. The key is that you, are not, uh, you should not be used to sinning or status quo with sin. You ought to ask the Holy Spirit and pray, Lord, break my heart for what's keeping, from keeping you from working in my life. What sin am I doing? Where am I missing the mark? And we as Christians should never let sin become casual in our heart and lives. I know it's a tough message in our culture. We don't like to hear we're wrong. We don't like to we don't like to hear that we need to own up to our own mistakes or our own sin and it gets serious because with God it is serious because that sin as a Christian grieves the Holy Spirit it's serious and we need to be sensitive to that and when we don't do what we're when we do what we're when we do those things we're not supposed to do the Holy Spirit's grieved and he will respond with conviction the conviction of the Holy Spirit is good trust me You know, many times when I preach a sermon, sometimes people will leave and say, Pastor, you stepped all over my toes. And I want to say I I missed the mark because I wanted to step in your heart. That's where the conviction is, right? Listen, on the outward, that's just guilt. Guilt comes from the conscience. Guilt comes from sorry you got caught. We were growing up. uh, Many times we were sorry for things. And as soon as my dad left, we went right back to doing it. We were sorry we got caught. We weren't truly convicted. A lot of times we see this in ministry, in, jail, in jails, in prison ministries, we call it jailhouse religion. People get caught, they get put in jail, and they say, Lord, I will never break another law again. As soon as they're released, within a month, they're back in jail. You know why? Because they had guilt, but they didn't have conviction. The same thing with uh, foxhole religion in the military. Lord, you know, you've know you never met an atheist in a, in a foxhole, right? Lord, if you get me through this, if you get me out of this, I will never, ever do this. In a desperate situation, situation, you cry out, you confess, but then as soon as the trouble is gone, the change is gone as well. You still do the same thing. See, conviction is a work of the Holy Spirit that produces change. The word the Bible uses for change is repentance. Repent means to turn from or to change or to turn away from. So when we are doing things we're not supposed to do, the Holy Spirit will convict us, and when He convicts us, we have that choice to turn away from the sin or to keep continuing in the sin. If we continue in the sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit, and after we grieve the Holy Spirit, the discipline of the Lord will come. But listen, as Christians, we fight this. I fight this in my own life. I know when I do wrong, and I know I'm wrong, and yet I fight it. It makes me miserable. Those who are married knows you do this as well, right? Listen, many people in relationships are ruined because they don't want to confess. They don't want to lay it down. They want to fight against it. And the Spirit is telling them to change and to, make it, to, to change their heart. But they're, they're resistant to that. And that makes you the most miserable person on the face of the earth. You know why? Let me tell you, because a Christian outside of the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is miserable. You know how I know that? Because I lived in that. That's happened in my life. I've seen that in people in the lives that I, I, I love. I, I, have, I have read about this in the Bible, too. You remember David? David in Psalm 32, he was running from his sin with Bathsheba, and, and, and the Holy Spirit of God was all over him. They sent the prophet of God to point a finger in his face, but yet until that point, he ran from God. He ran from the conviction of God. In Psalm 32, in just two verses, it says this, When I kept silent... My bones grew old, though my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Listen, when we continue in sin without repenting, that's what happens. The Holy Spirit begins to work on us and we, we, our bones will ache and our groaning will be of the day. Nothing will be happy in our lives. Nothing will be joyful. Nothing will be loving. Nothing will have contentment. And we'll feel this heavy, heavy weight upon our heart that when our kids do something great, we can't enjoy it. When our marriage is going well, our vitality or our life is sucked out of us and we don't have the will to do the right thing anymore. And it just sucks the life out of us. And we become this person that, that, that when we stay in an unrepentant sin, we become miserable. And then the discipline of God comes and we fight that, but we shouldn't, we should be yielded to that pastor friend of mine shared this a long time ago and I'll never forget I've said this before sin will take you further than you want to go sin will cost you more than you're willing to pay and sin will keep you there longer than you want to stay for us as a Christian when we're outside of the will of God in our life it ruins sometimes days of our life sometimes it wastes weeks of our life sometimes it wastes years of our life And listen, I'm telling you, running from God is not the way to go. We see this in the Old Testament through the, the man named Jonah. Remember the story of Jonah. Jonah had a call from God and he ran from God. He thought he could outrun God, but nobody outruns God. He got to a point where he thought, oh, here's a ship, I'll take it and I'll sail. All of a sudden, a storm comes and all of a sudden, the sailors on the ship are like, who is this man that is outside of the will of God that God is shaking the whole earth and moving the sea? And Jonah finally admitted to it and they threw him overboard, remember? He got put into the water and all of a sudden, a big old fish come along and swallowed him. And then all of a sudden, he was in the belly of that fish for three days and three nights and then that thing belched him up out of the, on the shore, Right? You ever thought about what he looked like when he came out of the belly of that well? You think about it. He would have had no clothes on. That would have been scary enough for me, right? That acid would have ate all the hair off of his body and his head. He would have been completely with no hair. And then the pigment of his skin would have been powder white. He would have been just white as a ghost. And he stands up and says, repent the judgment of God. (laughs) I think that worked, right? I mean, the whole nation repented of God, repented before God. Yet, What a perfect example. How many times have we been to a point where we've ran from God and he puts us in the belly of a whale? And sometimes man, when we get there, we don't realize it. we need to stop and we need to ask ourselves, what is it that's grieving the Holy Spirit in my life? How long has it been since you asked God, what is it in my life that I'm doing that's keeping you from your power in my life? If we want to walk in the spirit of God, we must confess and repent of our sin. We can't run from it. We can't hide from it. And it costs us more than we're willing to pay. So do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. The second part of that, do not quench the Holy Spirit. This is another verse I want you to write down. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 19. It says this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. So there it is. Do not grieve the spirit now. Do not quench the spirit. The word quench here means to extinguish or to put out. It's what we all think of when there's a fire, right? We we run to grab a fire extinguisher. Same word. We have seven fire extinguishers in this church. If a fire would happen, we would grab that extinguisher and we would put it on that fire. We would expect it to push it back or to put it out. And in the context that Paul is using here, it's all positive things. He's saying rejoice. He's saying pray. He's saying give thanks. He said this is the will of God for you. Then he says do not quench the Spirit. You know what he's saying here? When we do do not do what we're supposed to do, we quench the Holy Spirit. So when we sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit. When we do not do what we're supposed to do, we quench the Holy Spirit. You know the Holy Spirit describes uh, the Holy the Holy Spirit is describing the Bible like a burning fire. We all know when a fire burns, it's got to have fuel, right? And if you take away the fuel of the fire, we know that it's going to begin to to wither. And as it begins to wither, it's not as strong as it should be. And then you begin to extinguish that fire. You put water on it. You throw dirt on it. You do what you can to begin to put that fire out. You shrink it back. You ever been to a good old bonfire before? A bonfire is a glorified campfire, right? Aaron's dad, he loves to build fires, and he talks about building a campfire, but they usually turn into bonfires because they're so big, right? But as more wood you put on it, the more wood you put in it, the more it burns, the hotter it burns. And if you stop feeding it, then all of a sudden it begins to quench or go out. When the Holy Spirit says you do what He tells you to do, when you're witnessing, when you're sharing Christ, when you're reading your Bible, when you're rejoicing, when you're giving thanks, you're feeding the Holy Spirit and it begins to spread in your heart. It begins to spread in your life. And the more you feed Him, the more control you give Him, the more He burns brighter and hotter in your life, the stronger He gets. And all of a sudden, that little whisper in your heart, that's the Holy Spirit, becomes a loud voice in your life. And He begins to lead you in your marriage. He begins to lead you in your family. He begins to lead you in your career. And you're being led by the Holy Spirit. The hotter the heat, the brighter the light. And people look at your life and they say there's something different about them. There's something different in their life because you are consumed by the Holy Spirit. And that's the way we should want to be. Our desire should burn bright for God. What a desire. I love that song by Third Day, Lord. Let me be a soul on fire for you. If you had to describe the fire of the Holy Spirit in your life right now, how would you describe it? Like a flickering candle or like a burning bonfire, right? Listen, when we, do, when we don't do what we're supposed to do, we quench the Holy Spirit. And the more we want to walk in the Spirit, the more you've got to feed the Spirit. And when we, when we don't do those things, we quench them, we push them to the back, and the voice of the Holy Spirit is less and less And we we must want it in our life, and we must not quench the Holy Spirit of God. Let me tell you how this works. No, if you want the Holy Spirit to burn bright, and you gotta prioritize this. You gotta put him first in your life. There's a principle throughout the Bible from the first commandment that he gave Israel. He tells them, Have no other gods before me. It's pretty important. It's making sure that Jesus Christ or God is first in your life, that he gets first place. It's, 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 it's a priority issue. I remember several years ago, there were several pretty popular bumper stickers, but one of them was a Christian bumper sticker, said, God is my co-pilot, right? You can scratch the co-part out, all right? When you're a Christian, God should be your pilot. He should be first place in your life. And when you talk about your schedule, God comes first. You know how many people say they don't read the Bible because they don't have time? I challenged you to do this a couple months ago. I'll challenge you to do it again. If you don't have time to read the Bible and pray, just look at the screen time on your phone. And I guarantee you, through that screen time, you'll be convicted enough to know you can give 15 minutes to read the Bible and to pray. Listen, we don't read the Bible. We don't pray. We don't do what we're supposed to do because uh, we don't prioritize God in our life. Listen, we go to a store, and we think we want to get what we want, and we want to go home, but yet, as you get to the cashier, the Lord says, Ask you or puts it on your heart to tell that person about christ and you say oh god i gotta get home i got things to do i don't have time to stand here and talk to this person about christ and all of a sudden we rushed out of the store you know what you just did you just quenched the holy spirit when you have a friend of yours and they tell you hey or a co-worker hey i'm going through a hard time in life and god puts it on your heart hey you should pray for that person and you say ah oh, i'll pray for him later right like this is not the time or the place you just quenched the holy spirit in your marriage, when your wife comes to you, or your spouse comes to you, and they say, let's read the Bible together, and you say, no, nah, we don't have really time to do that. You just quench the Holy Spirit. And when you push it aside because He's not priority in life, God should take first place. We talk about the three T's a lot in our lives in this church. There's three things that God gives you that you control with prioritizing your life. It's your time, it's your talent, and it's your treasure. Those are three things that will reveal your heart. I could promise you, whatever you're spending your time on shows you where your heart is. Whatever you spend your treasure on or our pocketbook on, that will show you where your heart is. And whatever you spend your talents doing, that will show you where you want to serve or where you serve. And for those things in our life, we should put God first above all those things. He should be first in our time, first in our talents, and first in our treasure. He doesn't get the leftovers. If we give Christ the leftovers, we give the Holy Spirit the leftovers how do we expect to be a burning bright light for Christ when He's the leftover? We've got to prioritize that. Make Him first. Third, secondly, we've got to read the Bible. If you want to know what to do, you've got to read the Bible. That's God speaking to you. Listen, if we get in God's Word, He will share with us what we need to do. As you walk through your day, He's going to give you things in your life that directly correspond to the truth that you're learning in God's Word. So prioritizing, reading the Bible, and praying. When was the last time you asked the Holy Spirit to fill your life? Listen, we're Christians. And if you're a Christian, you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you, but you've got to ask God to fill you with the power of the Spirit. Dr. Adrian Rogers used to say every morning before he got out of bed, he said, before my feet would hit the floor, he said he would say a prayer like this. He'd say, God, here's my mind. Let it think for you today. God, here's my eyes. Let my eyes see for you today. God, here's my mouth. Let my mouth speak for you today. God, here's my ears. Let my ears hear for you today. God, here's my hands. Let them serve you for you today. And Lord, here's my feet. Let them run for you today. That was his prayer every single morning. And when you pray to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, you pray and prioritize that in your life, and it begins to permeate every area of your life. It begins to work in your marriage. It begins to work in your family. It begins to work in your career. It begins to work in your in your community life. And all of a sudden, every area of your life is permeated by the Holy Spirit. And you give control over the Holy Spirit. And next thing you know, He'll begin to produce this fruit in your life. And let me ask you, what area of your life do you not let the Holy Spirit have control of? Listen, we ought to pray that God fills every part of it. You know, I think if we could have a have a reel or a, mu- a movie up here and it would just be everything that you did this week maybe it would just say every word that you said this week maybe it would be every person you served this week maybe it'd be every way you treated your spouse this week all right we'll hit them all all right maybe it was every way you treated your children this week all right and you put it up there would it would it reflect the holy spirit would it reflect an opportunity for you to be full of the Holy Spirit in that? Because what happens as Christians, we begin to compartmentalize our life. And we start saying, oh, well, on Sundays, Jesus gets all of that, right? On Sunday morning. I'll, I'll be a Christian while I'm at church. And then we start saying, well, he could be in our family, but yet I don't want him to be on my job, and yet I don't want him to be here. Not, definitely not at the ballgame, all right? Definitely don't want him to be there. And Lord knows we don't even want Him to be there when we drive, all right? No, no Holy Spirit when we drive. Listen, we ought to have our hearts so open to the Holy Spirit to say there's nothing that's off limits for you. I want the power of the Holy Spirit in every area of my life. If my wife comes to me, she is going to see the power of the Holy Spirit. If my kids need me, it'll be the power of the Holy Spirit. In my career, it'll be the power of the Holy Spirit. you got to commit to operate or to walk or to prioritize the Holy Spirit in every part of your life, every day. You got to saturate yourself with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that should be our heart's prayer. And this morning, I could promise you, if you're not walking a victorious Christian life, and you are a Christian, Either you're doing something that's grieving the Holy Spirit in your life, or you're not doing something and you're quenching the Holy Spirit in your life. And listen, for us to live in a victorious Christian walk, that's what we must continually surrender to the Lord. God, what is it that I need to change? And Lord, what is it that I need to do? And when you begin to do that in small steps, God begins to work in your life. It's not going to change overnight. But consistently, as you live that out and you yield that in your life, he will begin to change things in your heart and it will eventually change things at how you live. And listen, where hate is, love will be there. Where unforgiveness is, forgiveness will come. Where, 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 where chaos is, uh, a peace will come. And all of a sudden, piece by piece, brick by brick, he begins to work in your life. And at the end of the whole thing, you will begin to exhibit the nine fruit of the Spirit. And when people look at you, they say, that's someone who is like Christ. He's like Christ in his home. He's like Christ in a community. He's like Christ no matter wherever you see him. He has the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. And so that's my challenge to you this morning. What is it that is grieving the Spirit And what is it that's quenching the spirit in your life? And are you willing to surrender that to the Lord? Let's pray together this morning. Dear Father, we do come before you, Lord. God, first I pray for those that may be here and they say, you know what? I did go to church. I maybe got religion. And I've tried really, really hard. But I just don't have that power that the Bible describes as a new birth in my life. The Bible says you can become born again. You know today's your day. Today is a day that you can call on the name of the Lord and you can be saved. This morning as you are here, you don't have to walk an aisle, you don't have to check a card, right where you sit. Right where you sit, you can confess this and just pray this to the Lord, say, "Dear Lord Jesus, I know I failed. I know I can't do it on my own. I have sinned. But I believe. I trust" I trust that you did what you said you were going to do. You came to this earth. You died on a cross. You shed your blood. You took my sin on my behalf, Lord. And I believe and I trust in that. And I want a brand new heart. The Bible says when you do that, the Holy Spirit will be birthed inside of you. You become born again. And this morning, right where you sit, you can confess that to the Lord and be born again. And you can get the root. You can get something that will change you from the inside out. Or maybe you're here this morning. You're a Christian. And man, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit has convicted you of something that you have been holding in your heart. Maybe it's unforgiveness, maybe it's uh, pain, maybe maybe something in your life that you've gripped onto and you know it's not good for you. And you're doing these things and you're continuing in them. You know you need to confess it and repent and change from it. i got good news for you. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This morning, you can lift your heart to the Lord and say, God, forgive me for, for what I've done. I want, to be, I want my heart clean. In Psalm 51, David shouted to the Lord, Lord, create in me a clean heart, O God. And this morning, you can leave this place as a Christian with a clean heart, a brand new slate with the Lord. What a glorious promise. Or maybe you're here this morning, you know you have quenched the Spirit in your life. God has called you to be a spiritual leader as a husband or as a father, and you haven't done it. You continue to push it off and push it off and push it off, and yet you know the Holy Spirit's not leading you, it's quenched in your life. Or maybe you're here this morning, you know that you should read your Bible or pray, but yet you keep pushing it off because you're, you're searching social media. Or maybe you're spending time doing other things, or maybe you're here this morning, you know... That you should serve the Lord, but yet you're not willing to put the time in, or maybe you're not willing to sacrifice the pleasure that you have in your life, and you're doing that instead. Listen, the Bible says if you will confess that, just bring it to the Lord and say, God, I want to prioritize my life. I want you first. You set my schedule, and everything else will follow after that, Lord. And this morning, you could just say, Lord, I don't want to quench the Holy Spirit. I want it to be a burning fire in my heart. And Lord, as you leave this place today, the Lord says you can have that fire begin to burn bright and you can feed it and you can feel it and you can be a soul on fire for the Lord. That your family can see it, your community can see it, everyone around you can see it, that you're just filled with the power of God in your life. Whatever it may be. I pray as we pray this morning, we're going to play a song. In this song, I just encourage you, keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Just for two minutes, lift your heart up to the Lord and do what He He is calling you to do this morning and let him do his work. In Jesus' name we pray.